0: cars machines subscribe here or at gtkpartners.com
1: paul thank you so much for joining us here at the uh las vegas raceway Uh, what's the official name of this
0: place las vegas motor speedway it is uh this is our third time here for the autonomous challenge at ces excellent paul tell us a little bit what are we about to see here This is the Indy Autonomous Challenge. This is our third time coming to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We were launched as originally as a prize competition in 2020 with the goal of advancing technology and innovation in high-speed automation. And so we have 10 of the world's fastest autonomous race cars, fastest autonomous cars, Mm -hmm. top speed of 192 miles per hour. And the drivers of these cars are coded by top university teams from around the world. There's nine teams made up of 18 different universities uh, in five countries. And uh, the cars are identical. So the teams are really just competing on their AI driver software prowess. What you'll see today is a passing competition where it's two cars out on the track at the same time, passing each other at increasingly higher speeds until one team either gives up or there's a, a crash. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, people sometimes do watch the races where they crash. Yeah, so, even and nobody gets hurt, we got nobody in the car. So, it's. <laughs> it's uh...
1: And so, just to draw a, a visual image for our listeners, these are basically open wheel Formula One style uh, vehicles. Yeah, by the so Wolf if 7, you're
0: right? if people are familiar with IndyCar, we're based in Indianapolis, Indiana, right. the home of IndyCar, the Indianapolis 500. This is the Indy Next Series race car. So, it's an open wheel race car, a little bit smaller than the full size IndyCar or a full size. Formula One car, but still, it's a, it's a very fast, open-wheel race car chassis built by Dallara with you know top speeds close to 200 miles an hour. Wow, that's very impressive. Now, was this your idea to bring all this together and make it happen? I really credit India Autonomous Challenge to, to being just one of these successes of a public-private partnership. Mm-hmm. So it's set up as a nonprofit organization. And at the time, we were talking to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the state of Indiana. Indiana is known for racing. It's also known for the automotive industry. Right. And so we said, OK, what better way to like showcase the future of automotive and our history and legacy in racing than trying to do something around high-speed autonomous vehicle technology? And we talked to a lot of luminaries in the industry, people like Sebastian Throne, who had won the DARPA Grand Challenge mm-hmm. and went on to found Waymo and Kitty Hawk. And uh, we talked to investors like Riley Brennan from from Trucks and Chris Ermson, who's with, with Aurora. and. And then we talked to a lot of academic experts to say, like, you know, if we did this kind of grand challenge, sort of DARPA-esque activity, would it be worth it? And would people actually, you know, want to participate? And we got really positive feedback. And so we launched it as, as a classic prize competition. We raised prize money from the Lilly Endowment, which is one of the largest private foundations in the world. It happens to be based in Indiana as well. The Eli Lilly, uh, it's Eli Lilly Family Money. Family but It's, money. it's right, not right. technically the same as the company. Right. They put up some of the dollars that would be needed to give out a million dollar prize, and we put out a call to universities around the world to come and participate in this competition. And twenty twenty of February is when our our registration closed, and we had forty one universities. But within a month right. after that, the pandemic started, right? And, and, and so we did right. see a pretty big drop off. A number of universities just had to had to fall off completely. But those that stayed spent 2020 focusing on competitions that were simulation-based, so all virtual. And then during that time, we built these 10 race cars. Uh, We partnered with top industry collaborators, people like Luminar and Cisco and and many others Mm -hmm. who donated hardware and or software to the challenge. And then we brought in partnership uh, with Clemson University, which has a great prototyping program that works with big Oems to do prototype projects and so they took this on as a challenge to help us prototype the the first car and then we replicated it the team started running these cars in 2021 it was slow going for the first few months you know we had to really validate the cars could even work getting them around the track at 30 40 miles an hour was an accomplishment then and what we saw was just an exponential improvement within a period of months so by Our first event of October 2021, when we gave out the million-dollar prize, we had cars going 140 miles an hour at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And then a couple months later, at CES 2022, we started introducing head-to-head racing, which had never been done in the world. Two separate AI systems competing with each other, not knowing what the other one's going to do. we had the, the final round had the Polytechnic of Milano versus Technical University of Munich. And Polytechnic of Milano 1 but I think they were making a pass at uh, 169 miles an hour and that was really what woke us up and I think in many ways woke the world up to this concept of of extreme high speed automation. That's really quite impressive. Do you define the class in a way that limits the vehicle performance
1: and turns it into a sort of
0: a software duel or how do you define the class? Yeah, so the the I should Say the the vehicles are, are spec vehicles, so every vehicle is completely identical. Okay, the same okay. engine, same gotcha. tuning of the engine, same setup, same sensors, same hardware. And so is the, that
1: something you offer to the universities yes, and they work the, on? Oh, yes, gotcha. correct. So, gotcha.
0: India Autonomous Challenge is responsible for, you know, sourcing the partnerships with industry and then for building and maintaining and repairing the vehicles, bringing them to the venues for testing and and racing, and then the universities work on the code at their own campuses do a lot of simulation and then come together for test events like the one we're doing here at CES and you know this is really an applied research initiative to advance the state of the art in autonomy to to show that the hardware and the software systems can work at speeds greater than 100 miles an hour and we feel like we felt at the time and I think it's still there there's a pretty big gap in the market right now most ADAS systems maybe with the exception of Tesla level 3 systems they turn off at about 60 miles an hour. Well, turns out humans are pretty good at driving from zero to 60 miles an hour. Where we stop being really good at driving unless you're a Formula One race car driver is it speeds 60 miles an hour up or 100 miles an hour up, right? So if we can get AI drivers to be able to to operate safely at 120, Mm -hmm. 130 miles an hour, think of what that does to unlock the efficiency of mobility in terms of getting people and goods from point A to point B a lot faster. Now, there's a lot that has to go into that. There's a lot of probably regulations and infrastructure support, but that's the kind of aspirations that that I think a number of our universities and the companies that we're working with have to say, like, autonomy can be a lot more than just taking me from the airport to the hotel.
1: As an example, in California, we're spending tens of billions to connect to San Francisco to Los Angeles by rail. Right. And people frequently say, why don't we just put high-speed buses on I-5? Right. Right, and the safety becomes an issue. Right. And if you have something like your your uh, program right. as a testbed. Yeah, exactly. These. Let's talk a little bit about that. What are, and because for example, you have mentioned uh, as an example, Luminar. Well, they're yeah. definitely oriented toward commercial uh, yeah. commercial vehicles. Volvo. They just had an announcement with Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but so so um,
0: Austin Russell, the CEO of Luminar, is was, was an early early supporter of ours. We called him and asked him if he would supply lidars to us. I think before his SPAC was done, or or if, if it was done, it was just just happened, and mm-hmm. and he. Loved the DARPA Grand Challenge, and he loved the ideas of getting academics to come together. He himself is not that old, so I think he right. kind of connected with the PhD students that are working on this challenge, and you know they saw real value in it. I think I- around you know testing the the validity of their platform at extreme high speeds. You're not going to get that kind of testing from an OEM. You're going to need to push it that much further. So for a group like Luminar, they can say, look, our, our lidars. We're learning and gathering data of how they operate at these high speeds and how they operate in counting other mm-hmm. vehicles using the same LIDARs at at high speeds, and there's a lot of value to that. And same thing's true for the radars we get from Conti or the computer systems that we get from DSpace. There's a lot of testing and validation value. The other value that the industry partners get is, is access to the talent pipeline. We've got about 250 of the best and brightest minds from top universities around the world, you know. Carnegie Mellon, MIT, Berkeley, Purdue University, Technical University of Munich, Korean Institute for Science and Technology that are, that are all working on this challenge you know, together. And they're working on a common platform and a common set of problems. They're doing it in the context of motorsport, which obviously creates a lot of not just competitiveness, but sort of excitement and problem solving and you know, working under pressure. That talent pipeline then can feed into the industry and we're seeing that already with a number of our alumni is going into companies you know, that are in the autonomous vehicle industry or going into academia or going into government roles. That's pretty interesting. To what extent do your partners have
1: access to to the data and other systems that are being developed, essentially open systems, open source?
0: No. So the component level data is, is something that the sponsors have access to. And their IP is their IP. And if we come up with something that maybe improves a component, then that becomes their IP. Right. The team's IP is around the, the software stack. And then the IP that we have at the nonprofit level of India Autonomous Challenge is more around the integration of all these autonomous hardware and base software systems into this very small form factor mm-hmm. of a cockpit of a race car and making sure that it can handle you know, a crash at 170 miles an hour and still right. be put back together and operate the next day. And we, Aircraft, we, we do that, all, we do that mm-hmm. all the time, right? All right. What's next? terms there's the next year or two, where would you like this all to go? What more? I mean, I think what we've found is that the approach where you sort of have each team developing their own full stack AI driver, you know, leads to these gaps in performance where there's certain AI drivers that are just more advanced. Mm-hmm. And so you can either just kind of wait for those teams to try to catch up, or we can really embrace this kind of collaborative approach by having more cross-collaboration among the universities to work on different components that go into a full-stack AI driver. So an AI driver typically has kind of four key components, perception, localization, vehicle dynamics, and path planning, right? Mm -hmm. Now, each of those have to work perfectly for these cars to to compete, right? right? But not every team is an expert in all four of those areas. Some are, and they're the ones that are really excelling. But you may have an institution that's really, really good at perception or like LIDAR localization. So let's have them focus on that and they develop a module that can go into the full stack. And so that's something we're exploring with our teams. We're exploring with potential funders at the the government level and corporate partners to sort of see can we create more of an open innovation platform that would advance more rapidly the development of AI driver capabilities at these high speeds recognizing that you probably don't need 10 or 12 of them. You probably need two or three of them that are kind of pushing one another to the point where you start to have some standards and some validation that would allow transferring this into uh, commercial applications. And, And I'm not sure that it's necessarily competing with the traditional autonomous vehicle companies. I mean, I think if you ask a lot of the executives from autonomous vehicle companies like Do they have any plans to have their AI drivers drive at 120 miles an hour? Generally, their answer is no. (laughs) But it also is because it brings probably a lot of regulatory risk Mm -hmm. and a lot of infrastructure requirements that go beyond what an individual private company could do. But if you have a network of academic institutions, state governments, national governments, international governments working together, then you can find these niche use cases. Maybe it is a corridor down the center of California Mm -hmm. or, or connecting some airport in some country to uh, uh, an urban center, you know, that's the kind of thing we're, we're looking to accomplish. Excellent. Paul, I'd like to get one more question in, and I know you've got it yep. stacked if you want. And the cars I'm hearing are starting to run, yeah. so I probably need to start paying attention to I'll what's going on. And,
1: and it's a question I asked before, but I'm going to come back to it. And I'd like to get a little bit more of your background because you strike me with the kind of intensity that I see from very accomplished sort of startup founders and executives in my neighborhood, which is is San Francisco. And I'd just like to hear a little bit more about how did you get involved? What's your background? What was your your motivation? I'm
0: born and bred in Indiana. My background is really, you know, I studied economics and public policy, but I really came out of government at a very young age. I was very fortunate to to get a job as a policy director for then Governor Mitch Daniels, who I I really believe is one of the the most uh, outstanding governors that we've had uh, in the last Century uh, right. did great work. And then he went on to become president of Purdue University and did some uh, really amazing oh, things right. there that's as right. well. And so I worked for uh, Governor Daniels as a policy director on economic development, workforce, energy issues. And then basically from there on, starting in 2008 until mm-hmm. now, and I plan to continue, I really focus on uh, the intersection of public private partnerships. So, you know, taking on challenges that are going to require government, university, and private sector to all be pushing in the same direction, and I've always been fascinated with trying to get that sort of trifecta to work. Because when mm-hmm. it does work, that's where you get the biggest kind of impact and the biggest kind of stepwise gains. And you know, I think this is a good example of that, right? You're, you're, you're probably not going to have 150 mile an hour transport without government, academia, and industry working yeah. together. Uh, it's, it's it's probably not something that just private capital is going to uh, solve on its own. And there's other problems that I've worked on in that space around early deployment of of, uh, electric vehicles was a big passion of mine. Some of the early mobility as a service related activities. And then I'm also part of a group that put together and was successful in securing one of these billion dollar DOE Hydrogen Hub Awards uh, uh, for the state of Indiana, Michigan. Midwest. uh, Midwest. Midwest, uh, Mockage too. Um, You do a lot of work on hydrogen. So I'm, I'm, I'm deep into that right now as well. So kind of. Those are right now my two passion projects, the, the Hydrogen Hub effort, and then this India Autonomous Challenge, different, but but okay. same concept, right? You're still trying to get government, industry, and academia to align. Well, I'm going to recommend
1: our listeners keep uh, sort of follow you carefully and keep an eye out. I spent a lot of time covering entrepreneurs and people in the entrepreneurial set, and definitely you know bookmark or whatever the, the right yeah, thing is, thank Paul you. Mitchell That's and his background. Yeah, Let's yeah. get you out to the racetrack. What do yes, you think? Yes,
0: thank you very much. Great conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks. Appreciate it. Tech, cars, machines. Subscribe here or at gtkpartners.com.